Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to. Oh, uh, mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, mom. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. First strike here on Visa. I'm your host, Dave Ross. For the next hour, we're going to break down UFC Vegas 80 right here, of course, in Las Vegas. The UFC was off for a week, so we were off for a week, but we are back in business. Lou Finnecaro is going to join me momentarily alongside Reed Kuhn, Dan Vreeland, and Jordan Sherwood out of Chicago as the hour goes. But without further ado, Let's bring in the man. You know him. You love him. Lou Finnecaro. Lou, always great to have you back in the program, my friend. You can follow him on Twitter or X, as I do, at Gamble, the host of the About Business Podcast. Lou, how'd you, how'd you do for the week? Did you just take a week off from the UFC, or were you still already looking ahead to this card a week ago? No, I. it, it was great to have just a, a, almost a week off. I start my UFC weeks on Saturday, and... Uh, this week, Saturday held no UFC fight, so I got some Sunday work done as well. Uh, but I stay at it for the most part, 24-7, 365. I don't have young kids anymore, and <laughs> I don't golf, and so this is what I do, and I love doing it. And I also appreciate the fact that you guys over there at first strike, have me on to talk about the fights with you each week. One of the very best. That's why we love having you on to have these conversations. Let's talk about the main event here in Las Vegas with the return of the King, Bobby Green. But he's a big-time underdog against Grant Dawson. And obviously, we know this, Lou. We talk about it in boxing through the decades. And now in the UFC, you see it as well in mixed martial arts. Styles make fights. We've got a wrestler in Grant Dawson. We've got a striker in Bobby Green. Do we have a live dog? Or do you think at 445... Grant Dawson should be this big a fave. Yeah, I, I think this is a really, really tough position for Bobby Green. Uh, I have nothing but respect for Bobby Green. He is as authentic as the Diaz brothers, and, and I can't give a higher compliment to a kid than that. He comes from the street. He's a professional fighter. He shows up against everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, he he fought a great striker in Fazeev some fights back. Many thought he won. I thought he won. And he does great in space on the feet where he can use his athleticism. He's into his later 30s now. Some of that athleticism is waning. And against a guy like uh, Islam Makachev, the champ, uh, Bobby was really not much match. 
Grant Dawson has aspirations to fight for the lightweight title. He sees what Makachev did to Bobby Green and finished him in one. And that's the template and the focus by which Grant enters this fight. I believe he has every uh, tool to take Bobby Green apart before this fight ends. I just can't tell you if it's going to be as fast as Makachev did it. <laughs> but I look for a systematic breakdown here taking nothing away from Bobby Green. He's authentic. He's a great fighter, but he is ill-equipped to deal with this grappling pressure. Uh, there it is. And you laid it out there. When you look at the total rounds prop here, four and a half, it is juiced heavily to the under here of four and a half to your end uh, and the thought process here of Dawson possibly getting this done before it hits the scorecards there. Would you look, because I know you're not in the business of laying almost, you know, four and a half, five dollar faves on a weekly card. Would you look at the win by finish prop at minus a dollar 35? Or do you worry that this does somehow hit the cards and then you're looking at a decision? You can get plus money if you think it goes all five. And I know you're not in that camp at plus 235. If you don't want to get too tricky with a KO or a sub, would you just play the win by finish and lay the dollar 35? I, I would be looking for inside the distance. I, I don't like when they make me pick submission right. or TKO. I, I don't like that. And when I, I can't see that at DraftKings, but at Bet Online, excuse me for mentioning a place far away, they have uh, inside the distance as uh, Grant Dawson, like minus 350, which mm. is really tough. Interestingly enough, in their points handicap, Dawson minus five and a half points. Now, if Dawson were to win by finish, you'd win that bet. That's minus 290 at the same location. So it pays to scour through these props to get your best price because I just soon lay the minus five and a half with Dawson at minus 290, then inside the distance at 350, and you'll get paid the same way. And one other way possibly to go, if, if somebody out there believes that King Green's got a puncher's chance to get a, a KO, you could play the fight doesn't go the distance without picking a winner at minus 250 as well. So to lose point, there's many different ways to get a similar price tag if you don't want to lay that big number there of 445 that we're seeing today. So there are many different ways to get at this, but that's why I lose one of the best in the biz. You're trying to look at ways to shorten those price tags and not play the bigger one. To that end, though, Lou, very quickly, and I I know you're not on the side of Bobby uh, King Green here. Is the only pathway to victory a KO, and you can get him at plus five dollars instead of the you know around plus three, three north of three dollars just for him to win anyway? Is it got to be by KO at five to one? No, I think it would have to be by a decision. Oh. I don't see Bobby Green having that kind of power. Uh, you know, Grant Dawson some fights back was it Leonardo? He fought a Brazilian striker and it took him till the last ten seconds of the fight, Leonardo Santos took, took him to the last few seconds of the fight to win. Uh, I, I just don't uh, see Bobby Green. This is a terrible matchup for him. And anyone considering Bobby Green, I would really strongly consider taking you off of him. But if you had to have him, it would be via decision because he would toe tap and stay at distance and make Dawson look slow. I just don't know that that can happen. Plus 850 for Bobby Green to get it done via decision. Lou, let's look to the uh, the co-main event here. Joe Pfeiffer back in there against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, and it's almost identical numbers that we're looking at here with Al-Hassan uh, being the real big dog here, plus 350. Uh, Joe coming in right at the same price tag that we're seeing uh, with Grant Dawson, about four, actually a little bit north of that at 455, 445 for Grant Dawson. 
So again, we're seeing these uh, some fight cards. You get those that the, the numbers are pretty closely aligned. In the co-main and the main, they are not. And again, similar style here at a much younger fighter and fight for at 27. And Abdul here coming in at 38. What's your take on this one? I can't wait for this fight. This fight, <laughs> I, I, this fight intrigues me, and it intrigues me because I look at Pfeiffer as having all kinds of blue sky talent, but he surely hasn't been tested. The fact that he beat up on Mearshart and then grappled him in a grappling contest shows me that Pfeiffer knows that he's got big, huge power in his hands, but he's inexperienced. He's somewhat premeditated, a lot of power, and he needs to work on his grappling. Meanwhile, you're looking at a judo kid in Al-Hassan that knows completely and directly that the UFC has set him in front of this guy as a stepping stone and or barometer. And at 38, he don't like it. And he's mm -hmm. been in with big, strong strikers before. I view Al-Hassan as dangerous and live as he can be. And I think this could be a PhD fight for Joe Pfeiffer if he goes in and gets caught with one. And I, I like Al-Hassan. Is it the same one-unit bet that I would make on every other uh, dog of maybe plus 120, 130? Of course not. Uh, but there, there's probably going to be a position here on Al-Hassan just because he's a dog and he's backed into a corner, and I like that position for an underdog. Feels like a very live dog right now with Al-Hassan right now. So, again, right around plus 350 there. Again, if you like him via KO, TK, or DQ, a little bit north of that there, plus 450 for the big dog in this one. When you look at the Joaquin Buckley, uh, Alex Morona fight, it feels like completely different styles, right? Buckley can be this wild man in the octagon, highlight real KOs. Morono, just steady as she goes, keeps coming forward, and somehow seems to be able to absorb punishment but yet keep going. Do we have another live dog here right now? Alex, about plus $1.54. The numbers come down as the week has gone on. Yeah, in this matchup, Dave, what I worry about is really what Morono's biggest challenge has been is the ability to absorb a, a huge punch. I mean, mm -hmm. if, he can, if he can clasp on, clasp against, or get to the floor – he, he really stands great opportunity. However, at distance with a spark plug like uh, like Buckley, I, I really worry for him because Buckley's explosive. He's powerful. He's really been working on his game, especially grappling coming into this fight. I regard Buckley as a pretty dangerous guy for Morona here. This ain't a great matchup for Alex. Yeah, if he cannot withstand the punishment, it's going to come from Buckley. Uh, and again, you see the total rounds prop juiced to the to the under minus dollar seventy five to your point. So if you think this fight can go past two and a half rounds, you can get some over money there at plus a dollar forty five. Speaking of explosive, got a lot of them here in the main card. Drew Dober back in there against Ricky Glenn. I mean, Dober is one of the more exciting guys you're going to see in this weight class here at one fifty five, and it shows in the numbers. Minus 440, again, very similar to the first two fights we talked about. Should Drew be this big a favor against Ricky? No. Hey, no, he should be a, a firm favorite against Ricky, but Ricky d doesn't come, you know, Tommy. He's not deaf, dumb, and blind kid going into the <laughs> octagon for crying out loud. He does have tools, and and the tool that I worry most about for Dover is the one that he doesn't utilize or practice and that's intelligence. He's too willing to take a flush shot, and those kinds of fighters have a shelf life, and you can tell when they're going to start to go because they start to get hit and put out, and that loss to Frivola may be worse for Drew Dober than what we even imagined back then 
we'll have to see what happens here. I don't know that I'm advocating the underdog here, but I, I'm really, I got a fade flag out for Dober. Well, one thing I picked up there is you're telling me Ricky Glenn sure plays a mean pinball. Very well done, Lou Finnecaro. You've got about 30 seconds. Tell the people what they get when they tune in each and every week to the Bout Business Podcast. They get final releases after the weigh-ins have occurred. So we got all the last-minute information. Do our best to give you profitable positions. Each week there's a UFC card. And Dave and First Strike guys, thanks so much. This production is outstanding, and I'm pleased to be on it. Have you ever seen the Who in concert? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I picked up that. I'm an old rock and roller. (laughs) You bet, especially the Who. I love town. Lou, love the conversation each and every week. Enjoy those fights on Saturday. Make them profitable, my friend. When we come back and go to D.C., going to catch up with Reed Kuhn next here on First Strike. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Uh, Mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you plenty of ways to bet the UFC. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to be able to bet on more than just the main event. DraftKings has great odds on fight lines, total rounds, and features for all MMA events. Eligible restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for all the terms and conditions. We will get to Reed Coon in Washington, D.C. in just a minute. We're going to go up to Boston now and catch up with our guy, Dan Vreeland. You can follow him on X as I do, at Gumby Vreeland. Dan, will you tell the people all the other places that they can catch you on if they need more UFC content from you? Yeah, of course. You can catch me on the Top Total MMA podcast, which I've hosted for the last seven years. Uh, this, yeah, this week we're interviewing Johnny Munoz, who is fighting this weekend, as well as a fighter from LFA in the main event, Landry Ward. Uh, and we also, I also run the uh, SGPN's MMA podcast, the MMA Gambling Podcast, 
um, which gives you a fight by fight breakdown of it all. And we do a Dana White's contender series or a regional uh, show each week too. Uh, and then I write for the sports gambling podcast network and cage side press. Is that it? I mean, that's it for the time being. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Give me a week. I'll find something else. <laughs> yeah, you're the hardest working man in MMA. I absolutely love it. Want to get your thoughts on this card here and start off with uh, a wild man, I would say, is a good way to describe Ian Kutalaba. And he is a small favorite against Philippe Lins. Right now, minus $1.48 is what I'm seeing. And the comeback here in Philippe is plus $1.40. Tell me if you think we've got a live dog because Kutalaba, kind of indifferent uh, sometimes inside the octagon. You don't know what you're going to get. Uh, he is nine years the junior, though, of Philippe Lenz. Yeah, I, I feel like you never know what you're going to get with Kudalaba here, mm -hmm. but I even feel like the best version of Kudalaba would have trouble with Felipe Lenz. Like, I, I think Felipe Lenz, since coming down to 205 pounds, has been wildly underrated. Uh, in his three fights in, at 205 pounds, he's first of all, he's undefeated, which seems like it's really important. And also, he's never given up a takedown. Uh, and, and he's fought guys like Maxim Grishin, who, you know, granted might have a little bit worse wrestling than Ian Kudalaba, but he went 0 for 3 against them in, in the wrestling in that department. So knowing all of that about Felipe Lins, it's kind of shocking to me that he comes in here again as, as a dog against Kudalaba, who, like you said, you know, like if he comes out in his best version, you know, it's, it's not a bad version, particularly for light heavyweight. But if he can't get that takedown and he keeps struggling for that takedown, as sometimes he does. I imagine a really tired version of him against Felipe Linz late in the fight. Not to mention Linz himself has been scoring a lot of takedowns at 205 pounds too. He's got five in the three fights that he's got. Give him a little top time there to, to wear out Kudalaba. And I think he is by far the better fighter in this one. So Dan, when I hear you say later on in the fight, and you don't see this a whole lot here where you can get a total rounds prop here for a three round fight for big guys at, at a round and a half. Cause it, it, look, we're normally expecting in the heavier weight classes, you have more propensity for knockouts. At least that's always in theory. It doesn't always play out that way. Are we live here at even money for over seven and a half minutes? I definitely think so. Because first of all, you know, like not that Linz doesn't have knockout power, especially before he came to the UFC. We saw he had quite a bit of knockout power. Since coming to the UFC, three of his five fights have gone the distance. Uh, he's only finished one himself. And yeah, Kudalaba, like I said before, is a guy who comes out like a bat out of hell sometimes. Uh, <laughs> the other half of the time, he comes out looking like he doesn't know what he's doing, right? And so he has been finished quick. He has gotten finishes quick. But really, if you want to go back to any time he's fought somebody with like significant wrestling defense, somebody like Devin Clark, somebody like Dustin Jacoby, both of those fights went to the decision. So I, I really do think that if as long as Linz's takedown defense holds up here and he kind of wears on on Kudalaba, over a round and a half should be easy money. I love that idea. And again, uh, looking at that at even money for seven and a half minutes, if you think it might hit the cards in general, plus 250 without even picking a winner. So uh, maybe if you're picking up what Dan's putting down there, it could be some value in a couple of those plays. Yeah, there's some prominent, uh, prominent women rather on this card. It starts off with the very first fight of the night, Montana De La Rosa against JJ Aldridge. Uh, pretty evenly aligned here in this one. We know how tough that De La Rosa can be, and the same for J.J. What do you make of this first fight here? Because I'm seeing about, what, um, uh, plus uh, minus an hour 30 right now in De La Rosa. Yeah, I, I am leaning towards Aldrich here, and the reason why I'm leaning towards Aldrich is I think if her takedown defense holds up, she's going to have a massive advantage on the feet here. Like, De La Rosa is a very good wrestler. She's good when she can get people on the mat, but we've seen if she can't get people on the mat or she can't hold them there, which is the other bigger piece here, she doesn't win those fights, right? Like, obviously, she wasn't going to take Tatiana Suarez down. She was always going to have a grappling disadvantage there. But she also, like, couldn't hold Macy Barber in place at any point in time. 
Macy Barber winds up dominating her. You could say the same thing about when she fought Myra Buena Silva, which Myra Buena Silva wasn't as good at flyweight as she has showed to be at Bantamweight. Same thing. She got her down once or twice, but couldn't hold her there. And I think people sleep on how hard it is to hold J.J. Aldridge down because, like, while she's lost some fights and been taken down, you know, in her last three fights, she's lost two out of three, and she's been taken down in every single one of them, or uh, rather two out of three of them, the person who couldn't take her down was Aaron Blanchfield. She stuffed a bunch of takedowns from Aaron Blanchfield. So now I'm supposed to sit there and believe that Montana De La Rosa is different and is going to be able to hold her down for a significant period of time. I don't think it's going to happen. I think you're going to see J.J. Aldrich open up with the hands. Interesting. And again, opening up with the hands could lead to a stoppage. Or do you think because she's going to be able to avoid those takedowns, do we get a three rounds on the feet and hit a, hit a judge's scorecard? I think this one's probably on the feet. I mean, she's got one TKO in her career, uh, or at least going through her, I believe it's her UFC career. She's got one TKO and it was her last fight against Na Liang. Na Liang is notorious for just like, you know, going for it with her grappling and then being absolutely exhausted <laughs> four seconds later. She went like 0 and 3 or 0 and 4 in the UFC and just clearly doesn't have it. So I, I don't think this one is going to be a stoppage it, either way, really. Like, I don't think De La Rosa is going to get Aldridge out of there either. So I think, you know, the over is clearly in play here. The, the ghost of the judges' scorecards is the play. And regardless of what fighter you want to take, take them by decision. Let's get to the strawweight division here because uh, Carolina Kovacavich, her UFC career is rather fascinating. Looked like, you know, title challenger, then a terrible losing streak. Looked like she's going to be out of the UFC. And it looks like she's kind of reinvented herself here at 37 years young. And she's a rather solid favorite here against Deanna Balbita. And Balbita right now, she's coming in at plus $1.40. Carolina minus $1.66. Is Balbita live or do you like the fave here? No, I think the favorite is being wildly undervalued here. And, and really the big piece for me is just the strength of schedule. Like if you go through and you look at the five fights that Deanna Belbicha has had in the UFC, her toughest fight is Molly McCann. Mm. And, and we, we've talked about how Molly McCann's grappling simply seems not to be up to snuff. Molly McCann won that fight largely by out grappling Deanna, Deanna Belbicha. She had five takedowns in that fight. And, you know, like, I don't think very highly of Molly McCann's wrestling. Meanwhile, we're talking about Karolina Kovalkiewicz, who is somebody who does have good wrestling, somebody who we've seen do excellent work on the mat and who's really good at dictating where the fight goes. You know, you, you take that fight with Vanessa Demopoulos. She decided she wasn't going to go to the ground with Vanessa Demopoulos, and she did a damn good job of staying there. You know, you could say the same thing about how she sort of manhandled Silvana Gomez-Juarez and took her to the mat and won the fight there. I mean, I think her wrestling plays really well against somebody like Belbicha, who has been taken down by worse wrestlers. And I think, you know, that big losing streak that Kovalkiewicz had that made kind of everybody write her off, which, you know, in, in retrospect, Jessica Andrade, yeah. Nan, Alexa Grasso, not a bad losing streak. I, I think the three fight winning streak says more about her recently. So I, I'm all over Kovalkiewicz here. It is amazing to see how f some fighters can have renaissance. We saw it with Andre Olavsky in the heavyweight division. We're seeing it again with Karen Kovalkiewicz. I, I don't know if she's got a title run in her, but all of a sudden it looked like she was on the brink of being out of the organization and she's coming all the way back. Small favorite in your eyes, uh, not big enough. So I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down there. You mentioned uh, Vanessa Demopoulos. She's on this card as well. Uh, she's going to take on Kanako Murata here. Murata is a rather large favorite at 355 uh if vanessa wins we know she's going to jump into somebody's arms i don't know if joe rogan's doing the fight or not is she live here in this one or do you think that the, the number is priced accordingly man i just have such a hard time imagining she catches a submission and i think the problem is is she's just not going to be in positions that win her round mm. 
Kanako Murata, you know, she was a world team grappler for Japan. You know, she she has such high level wrestling. And I think the fact that she has just like such high level wrestling, you know, she she took down and controlled Randa Marcos for the better part of that, you know, 15 minute fight. The only person we've seen her really have trouble with grappling is Virna Jandaroba, which in, in retrospect, you know, no problem with having trouble with Virna Jandaroba. Vanessa Demopoulos, great on the mat. I love her jujitsu. I just think she's going to be working off of her back for 15 minutes here. And like, I can't imagine her catching Murata with a submission. So I, I think that's why we see the line where it is. If you are taking a stab on Demopoulos, though, for sure, take a stab on her by submission because I don't see her winning any other way. Only about 45 seconds. Got to ask you about the main event with King Green back in there. Is Bobby Live big underdog to Grant Dawson? I can't imagine he's live here. You know, like, as much as he looked really good grappling last time out, I think we have to put that in context and realize that it was Tony Ferguson and who, who looks like a shell of himself at this point. And, you know, you go to the fights before that and, you know, he had trouble with Drew Dober. He had um, Makachev is one that, you know, anybody would have trouble with. He seemed to be like starting to lose steam against Jared Gordon before that fight got, uh, mm-hmm. got stopped. And meanwhile, we're talking about Grant Dawson, who has been steamrolling guys who can wrestle. You know, he steamrolled Jared Gordon. He steamrolled Mark Madsen. He steamrolled Demir Asmagulov. Like, look, I, I think this is the perfect spot here for uh, Grant Dawson to uh, to sort of stake his claim in the lightweight division. And don't think I don't see that Troy Aikman picture over your right shoulder. It is fantastic. <laughs> America's quarterback. Uh, Dan, always appreciate it, my friend. Enjoy the fights. Cash some tickets. We'll see you next week. We're going to D.C. next. Reed Coon next here on First Strike. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Start your morning with VEASAN Daily Morning. That's Josh Applebaum. He's going to give you every piece of info you need to be ready for betting the day's biggest games in just 15 minutes. He's going to discuss line movement, injuries, and what you need to be looking at before you place those wagers. So make the VEASAN Daily Morning Bets podcast part of your morning routine. Download and subscribe wherever 
you get your podcasts. We now go out to the nation's capital, catch up with our guy, Reed Kuhn, who had the whole week off because we had the week off because the UFC had the week off. And Reed, because my mother is much more observant than I am. During the week off, did you spruce up the backdrop a little bit? You got some new additions over there. What do you have? Yeah, this is this is our favorite time of year in the house for the holiday season, Halloween, of course. But it's also the best time of year to be in Virginia. We're going to be cooking. We're going to be having friends over. I had to spice things up just a little bit uh, since this is definitely a bar that's going to get some use over the next season. It looks fully stocked, so I'm glad you have that thing ready to roll for all the friends and family coming over uh, to celebrate, as you can only do, my friend. Can't wait to see what's on the menu. That's why you got to follow him, as I do, at Fightnomics, the author of the book of the same name. Reed, let's get to this fight card, because when I look at Grant Dawson, I'm, I'm assuming the models normally like those wrestlers. We see that. And they normally like the fighter that's going to be eight years the junior of Bobby King Green. Are the numbers properly aligned in your estimation, what the models are showing you, or should Grant Dawson arguably be a bigger favorite? You called out two very important things, and you're right. My models tend to be skewed towards wrestlers, towards grapplers, and Dawson's numbers are pretty remarkable on that front. The guy is relentless trying to get the fight to the ground. He spends 53% of all octagon time controlling people on the mat, and that is more than twice the nearest other fighter on this entire fight card. So he is the best grappler by a long shot. That said, even though he's younger, even though he's a grappler, I'm not seeing a ton of value in the line here. And that's because Bobby Green is just a more seasoned veteran. He doesn't get submitted easily. And he's elusive. He's elusive on his feet. He's elusive with takedown defense. And so I think this is going to be a chase uh, for a while. I think Dawson's going to be chasing Bobby Green around. And it might take time to develop. Now, I personally think Dawson wins the fight. Laying up, you know, four to one-ish isn't really the way to go here. I think you might want to combine that with some sort of over, like a 2.5. I think it takes him time to wear down green. And I'm also not super confident of what happens in the fourth and fifth round. We haven't seen Dawson there uh, versus green being a more seasoned guy. So uh, there, there are some question marks here. Liking the favorite but just not enough to lay the juice straight up. Reed, and that's interesting to me because you mentioned it. You know, we haven't seen Dawson here in a fourth and fifth, right? Because it's the main event. Uh, so it'll be the first time he's in that role. Now it is juice. You can get plus money if you think this can hit the cards here at plus an hour 70 over four and a half. To go to the cards without uh, picking a winner and get plus an hour 95. You only have to pick a winner. It, because Bobby is the veteran, we're, we've seen him gas a little bit at times too. Is this one of those fights where all of a sudden, if it does get to the fourth and fifth, to your point, we just don't know what these guys are going to look like if Dawson can't get those takedowns. He doesn't, doesn't want to be standing with the King for 25 minutes. Yeah, Bobby Green, um, he, he no-sells the punches. I find it kind of annoying, and yet it's actually quite effective. His defense is really good statistically on paper, and his accuracy is also good. So he actually wins the point-striking contest against Dawson, uh, maybe, uh, at least in each of their careers, he's done better than Dawson has in point striking. Uh, so that's why I'm a little concerned about having to lay such a big price. Um, that said, when it did go to the cards over three rounds, Dawson has won clear victories. Green's been a little bit more hit or miss. Um, and it's not like he has five round experience either. It's just when it goes to the cards, he tends to go to the cards a lot. So that's why I think I might want to lean the over because Dawson has hit late submissions before and he likes to backpack people. And that's one of those great positions where you get multiple attempts at the same submission. And so I think it takes time to develop, but Dawson could get a late shot at it. 
That's why I don't want to necessarily go all five rounds to the cards, but a late finish or simply over 2.5 and Dawson winning might bring that price down just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Picking up what you're putting on there. Just uh, Dawson by sub at any point of the fight would be plus an hour 30 if you did not want to lay that big price tag there on the overwhelming favorite. We have similar numbers in the co-main event here uh, that we're seeing on a Tuesday. Joe Pfeiffer back in there against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. And so Al-Hassan, we, we know he's got power. And again, this is very similar right now. It's even a wider gap in age here because Pfeiffer is 11 years, the junior. Uh, what are the numbers showing you here? Again, is there a live dog scenario possibly? This is one I got to sit back and watch. Uh, Joe Pfeiffer is still new enough to the UFC where I don't have sufficient data on him. Mm. Now, Al Hassan has been around a while. That guy is a knockout artist. <laughs> so clearly, if you're backing that guy, you're going all in and you might as well go for a finish. Uh, but Pfeiffer, those younger guys might be a little bit more resilient. So if he survives the early storm, then, then it's a question mark in the later round. So this is when I got to sit back. I, I just don't have enough uh, data on both sides to run the model. Absolutely love it. And that's why when you when the model doesn't show that you got it, it's one of those pass marks uh, that Reed has in his book. I know you've got a lot of data on Joaquin Buckley and certainly Alex Morono here. This is a stylistic matchup for me when I look at it with the flash of a Buckley versus kind of the steady as she goes. And, and Alex, uh, is Alex live in this one? Or do you think Buckley should be a bigger favorite? Well, Alex is always live because he is a tricky guy. Um, he, he comes in un unsuspecting. He doesn't necessarily have the build. This is going to be weird, uh, diametrically opposed physiques in this matchup, I think. Mm -hmm. um, Buckley clearly with the knockout power, uh, you know, seven knockdowns to his credit. And Alex Moreno has been dropped four times. His defense is okay. It's not great, but Buckley is going to be the rangier fighter. And so he probably has that early advantage. I do worry about Buckley's uh, cardio being able to go the three rounds. Moreno is kind of a comeback kid and I've had him in that spot before he's down on round one. You're getting a much better price. You live bet him for the comeback. Uh, but the lean here, at least early is for Buckley. And that means I might end up going for a prop like an early finish. I think just the two outcomes, the two fighters are correlated. It's probably Buckley early or Morono late. Now, when you say that, Reed, that's fascinating that you might look to play something on Buckley early. If it, let's say we get out of five and Morono's probably down around, right? Because we know Buckley's a much faster starter. Would you look for the in-game possibility that you mentioned there? If Morono doesn't take a ton of damage because we know the cardio is going to last for Alex. So it's almost a two-way play that you can get significant plus money at. Absolutely. And Moreno, I said he's been dropped four times. So has Buckley. And technically, his knockdown rate defensively is worse than Moreno. So he has taken some big shots and he's gone down a little bit more easily. Um, it's just closing that range. Uh, Buckley's going to have a big reach advantage. He's a southpaw. Um, that's why I think early on he's going to he's going to cause trouble, but he needs to get an early finish. So overall, I wouldn't necessarily play the money line one way or the other. I might be looking for a live betting opportunity. Love that information there. Let's talk about uh, Karolina Kovacavich again. I, I talked about her earlier where her career has been a fascinating arc to watch at 115. And we thought she'd be champion. That didn't happen. It looked like maybe she's on the way out with the three losses in a row. And now she's turned it around. But then she's got Deanna Belbita waiting in her wings here. And Belbita's small underdog here plus a dollar 40 and there's a 10-year age gap again is the veteran Kovacavich okay in this spot or again you're looking at the younger fighter here 
Yeah, I, I think I'm looking at the younger fighter here. So first of all, yeah, huge age difference. And you got to wonder who's going which direction in their career. Uh, Kovalkiewicz, if you look more closely at that record, yeah, she's rebounded with some wins. But she does. She only has one win over an active UFC fighter mm. since 2016. Uh, so she's picked up some wins along the way. Those are not currently fighters on the roster. Her only win over an active fighter is uh, Vanessa, who's actually fighting on this card as well. Mm -hmm. um, so you got to wonder if she's still in it at 38. Um, but she's also a striker. She's not going to be taking this to the ground. And when you look at the striking metrics of these two matched up, they're actually very, very similar, but Delvita is going to look like she is in a different weight class. She's going to be much taller, much rangier. She's equally good with accuracy. And so when you combine that with a range advantage, I think you might see her causing problems early with uh, Carolina trying to close the distance and having trouble. Um, now, she's a little bit more technical. Carolina is. She has better defense. But I just think Delvita, with the youth, the range, the pace, she's going to be putting on a busier pace. Those all tell me that there's an upset here, and it might be close. It might be close on the cards, but at plus 140, I might take that, and I might even go just by decision and get even bigger value on an upset. Got a minute to go. Drew Dover is a very exciting fighter. We know that. So is Ricky Glenn. When you look at Glenn as a massive dog here, are the numbers showing you that maybe in a firefight, you got a real puncher's chance at plus 340? Yeah, two southpaws who love to slug it out. Um, this one on paper is one of the closest matchups I've seen lately. They are almost identical. You go down the line, similar size, similar age, similar knockdown power. They both hit hard. They both scored some knockdowns. They've also both taken knockdowns. I actually think this turns into a firefight and someone's going to get knocked down. So, um, trying to pick who it is, is hard. But the, the line is so wide. I might try to take a flyer on Glenn by knockout for a shocker, and you're going to get really good odds on that. Eight to one right now if you like Glenn the dog via KO. Uh, Reed, great stuff as always, my friend. And again, it is officially spooky season, so we're going to keep looking at your every week, see what you got back there. Appreciate it as always. Give a follow on X at Fightnomics. When we come back, we're going to Chicago to catch up with Jordan Sherwood. Come on back. It is First Strike here on VC. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. 
Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. We continue this edition of First Strike. Dave Ross here in Las Vegas. Let's go out to the second city. Jordan Sherwood in Chicago. What on ESPN 1000? We could talk about the Cubs being in the White Sox. 0-4. What is going on with sports in Chicago, Jordan? Look, when somebody when we're getting excited about Connor Bedard winning faceoffs in preseason hockey. Oh, boy. That's when you know we've got issues in the, in the second city. <laughs> we got to pick it up, Chicago. All right. Hopefully, Please. by the time we talk next week, maybe there's a Bears victory in there. When we look at this card here, I know you've got some leans, and I want to talk about one uh, right off the top. It's a fight that I haven't talked a lot about. Bill Algio in there against Alexander, the great ape Hernandez. And Alexander's had an interesting UFC career. We'll put it that way. He's a small dog here at plus a dollar twenty. Bill coming in about minus dollar forty-two. We're seeing here on a Tuesday. What's your lean on this one? Yeah, I mean, obviously, with every Alexander Hernandez fight, you have to wait until weigh-ins until you you make an official decision. You got to see how that weight cut is going mm-hmm. and how he takes the fight. But look, what we do know about Alexander Hernandez is that he's probably got about a round, a round and a half in him, and then. Uh, the tables are turned. And when you look at a fighter like Bill Algio, who I think has surprised a lot of fighters uh, and a lot of handicappers just about how well-rounded he is and that he doesn't slow down. I mean, when I think of a Bill Algio fight, it reminds me of Rocky II when Mac is telling Apollo Creed, the man just kept coming after you. (laughs) That's what Bill Algio does. He does not stop. The motor keeps running. And that's why I like Bill Algio as the favorite. I think that he's not going to be threatened by the power and the physicality of Alexander Hernandez and is going to be able to withstand that early onset uh, onslaught, if you will, and take over in the later rounds, whether it be and and likely maybe finish uh, Alexander Hernandez inside the distance, either on the ground or on the feet. I just think that Bill Elgio is tough enough, been around the block, seen everything he needs to see for me to warn him being the favorite this early in the week and, and as we get closer to flight time. Let's just solve it once and for all right here. Did Balboa beat the count to win the belt from Apollo? Are you talking about him the second one? Yeah. Very, 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 look, very questionable. Very but, questionable. Uh, that, very questionable Lou referee. Fili- Lou Filippo was the uh, referee. I mean, the, <laughs> the Mills Lane, if you will, of Rocky movies. So, so good. I'm going to side with him. Okay, we're going to go with Lou and say that it was official. Rocky got the belt at the end of Rocky too. Uh, Alex Morono is one of those fighters, maybe in the Rocky mold, where he just keeps coming forward, it looks like, a little bit. Can take some punches, but sometimes not too many punches. Joaquin Buckley, we know, very exciting, very flashy, likes to get things done earlier rather than late. Can Morono withstand that early barrage we think would get from Joaquin and possibly be live here plus fifty four? Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of recency bias uh, that Morano is is the underdog here. People going back to you know the catchweight short notice fight that Santiago Ponzinibbio mm-hmm. caught him late. I mean, a fight that Morano was winning pretty handily. Uh, for two and a half rounds until he got clipped and knocked out by, you know, obviously the well-rounded, uh, especially from the striking standpoint in Ponzinibbio. Joaquin Buckley certainly has power, uh, and we get that. But I, I don't really look at Alex Morano as a guy that's going to be knocked out and that you question his chin. I mean, he's been in there with 
semi the Jedi and, you know, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, Tim Means, we just saw him, mm -hmm. uh, great performance. Uh, and he withstood that and got the win. So I think just the well-roundedness, the toughness, the grittiness. And again, there's a lot of fighters that, like we were just talking about with Bill Elgio, that cardio holds up. They just keep pressuring you, keep coming after you. And Joaquin Buckley, we have seen uh, in his previous fights, uh, struggle with guys that are in his face, pressuring him uh, and trying to get the fight to the ground or just dirty up the fight. So I think at plus money, uh, Alex Morano is certainly worth a look because I'm not worried ab about the power of Buckley and the chin uh, holding, uh, not holding up in Alex Morano's case. So it, when we look at the total rounds prop here, and we get it with Alex that the cardio is going to be there, right? So if he can withstand the punishment early, then he might be very live late. Is it late enough that you take a nibble at plus money for over two and a half rounds at plus a dollar forty-five? Heck, you can say the fight goes the distance without picking a winner. You get plus a dollar seventy, or do you think there's finishing potential for Morano late here against Buckley? Uh, you know, I, I actually, yeah, I, I like what you, I'm picking up. What you're putting down the quote, <laughs> you Dave. You know, I, I think there is some some value in there. Yeah, Joaquin Buckley's certainly known as a guy that, that that has knockout power. He looks great with that head kick knockout of Andre Fialo and. You know, Albert Duraev, you know, the, the two previous wins that he's had. But I think it's a guy that also could go to the judges' scorecard. So uh, Murano certainly isn't a finisher in my mind, even though he had the guillotine uh, finish his last time out. So I think, yeah, there, there is, if you're leaning on, on the Murano side, for sure. Uh, but there's certainly, uh, you know, value in the Buckley side as well and going the over at two and a half. Well, let's talk about the Hulk. He's back in here again. Ian Kutalaba is going to be in there against Philippe Lenz. And when I look at Kutalaba, it's, been a perplexing fighter to back sometimes financially throughout his past because, again, man, he looks great, and then sometimes you go, how in the world did that just happen? He's out of there in, in no time at all. What type of Kutalaba could we see? Is he going to be as reckless as he normally is against a guy like Lenz? And right now you're seeing him, if you think he can get it done by KOTK or DQ, plus thirty. so that seems to be the favored method if you want to back the Hulk. Yeah, see, it's it's kind of funny. So, I mean, I, I get the theme that I was talking about in the previous two fights, guys that pressure, or in the case of, like, Alexander Hernandez, a guy that struggles after, you know, a round and a half. Uh, Kudelab is the same guy. You know, he's a, just like a cannon, right out of the gates, looking to get the finish. I like the Kudelab side on this type of fight and this type of matchup because I just don't think there's a lot of athleticism in Felipe Lins, a guy that moved from heavyweight to light heavyweight and granted. He's won all three fights that he, he's fought at 205 here, uh, you know, kind of a resurgence of his career. But I think it might be just too much, too much athleticism, too much physicality and power for Kudelaba. So I do hope that we see vintage Kudelaba, that he is out of the gates trying to get this finish in the first five minutes because I think Felipe Lins does not have the foot movement, uh, the athleticism, uh, and the chin to withstand Kudelaba really coming after him and trying to get him out of there in the first five minutes. If it does not happen, then I'm on the side of Lins. I probably would bet this fight live, uh, get Lins at plus money because he'd be down the first round, uh, and him to get the finish uh, against Kudelab because Kudelab is not the same fighter as we get to rounds two or three. And again, when you see this for the, this potential three-round fight, it is even money if you think it gets past seven and a half minutes. Would you look at a Kutelaba KO uh, prop where you get the plus money, and if that doesn't happen in the first round, are you looking, that's the live spot you're getting in with, with Linz, possibly, that this fight's going to go a little bit longer, but might not go that much longer because Kutelaba, sometimes the gas tank goes. Yeah, the gas tank goes, and he forgets to put his hands up and, yeah. and prevent you know, fights uh, and strikes going to his chin. Yeah, I like that. I like that strategy. Kutelaba early inside round one, maybe a KO. You double that up. 
for some a uh, little bit of more value. But if not, you're betting this fight live. You're waiting till it gets to that second round, and then you're on the win side. Yeah, you, we never had these options years ago. Now you do. So very astute observation there uh, for that in-game wagering. When you look at the main event, and I think most MMA fans, we, we've got an affinity for the king, Bobby Green, because of the hands and the shows he's put on throughout his UFC career. We know that Grant Dawson feels like maybe the next in the lightweight division. Don't know about the hands yet, but we know about the grappling. It, it, can Bobby stuff those and make this a longer fight for the kid that's not really been in deeper waters? Yes, he's had some three-round fights, but potentially four or five, or do you think this is easy work for the youngster at 29? No, this is a good test. I mean, Bobby Green is is is, is a veteran. He's you know been in there with some of the best. I mean, I've obviously, you know, when he was in there with Makachev and took that fight on short notice, uh, he got taken to the ground immediately, but most people do against Makachev. Dawson's not the same type of grappler, but I do think that he's got a, a, a you know a freight train way to win if he gets his fight to the ground. And I don't think Bobby Green's uh, stand-up defense is as good as it once was. So Grant Dawson needs to be smart about this fight. Do not mix boxing uh, with Bobby Green because he's very slick, very elusive, and he still packs a punch and some power. But I think Grant Dawson is good enough dominating enough, uh, you know, kind of what we saw, you know, two weeks ago, um, you know, Dawson could get this fight to the ground against Bobby Green and get a submission, which, you know, mm. Bobby Green has not been submitted in quite some time, and he's been there with some of the best grapplers out there. But I think Grant Dawson can utilize some cardio, utilize that grappling top game to get Bobby Green out of there in that form. And I think there's some probably some very strong value in, in a submission prop for Grant Dawson to get his hand raised. Plus 235 for, excuse me, for sub plus an hour 30 by decision, which I, which you're not advocating for, would be the 235 number. Plus an hour 30 via sub. Now, my only concern, Jordan, with younger, look, 29, right? And he's not like it's 23. But I worry about adrenaline dump a little bit. Can he, when do you think that happens? Because you saw the, where the round prop is. You can get some plus money if you think this goes deeper into the night here in Vegas. Is this something that happens sooner or later in this fight? Yeah, no, I'm look, I, I Grant Dawson's a guy that's, that's had some later finishes in, in his career. And certainly, yeah, it'll be a test now to go five rounds. A guy that's been in there and a guy in Bobby Green whose cardio does hold up. We know that he could go hard, uh, you know, for five rounds. So, yeah, maybe some of those later props. Again, the other type of combinations I always log, you know, Grant Dawson to win round three to start. Grant Dawson to win mm. round four to start. So maybe maybe there is some value there. But I think Dawson should be the sizable favorite as he is. Avoid the stand up. Look for maybe a, a mid to late round finish uh, by Grant Doss. Great stuff, Jordan Sherwood. Go Bears. We'll catch you All right, again bear down. next week. That's going to do it for this edition of First Strike. Thanks for watching. And thanks to Britton Hess and Rob Moreno as well, doing a great job behind the glass. We'll see you next week right here on First Strike. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. 
You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to. Oh, uh, mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber Teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, mom.